you know, some of our dance adults, they don't have a dance background. And if the dancer can't help navigate through that rubric, like it might become very frustrating. Even with a dance background, it can become very, very frustrating. So (laughs) very valid. Welcome to Dance Through the Lens, the podcast designed for parents whose children have a passion for dance. We understand the unique joys and challenges of supporting young dancers. And in this podcast, we'll share insights, tips, and heartwarming stories from fellow dance parents and experts. Whether you're a seasoned dance parent or just starting on this journey, join us as we navigate the world of dance together. Now, here are your hosts, Whitney Collins and Katie Hughes. Hey, Katie, how are you doing today? Hi, Whitney. I'm doing well. I'm so glad to be back. How are you doing? I am doing so great. And we promised our listeners last week that we would get into the content this week. So we're going to talk today all about audition season, which is like what? Practically here, right? It's practically here. I know we're in the middle of rehearsing for our winter shows, but we really need to start looking towards next summer because those auditions really start happening in the beginning of the year. Oh my gosh. So auditions for summer intensives are already like they're on us. They're, they're coming up soon. They're here. For all intensive purposes, they're here. We should absolutely start preparing for summer now. Wow. You know what's crazy is like as we're coming up on, you know, the fall holidays, like it's hard for me to even think past Christmas. And I know a lot of our listeners are probably feeling the same way. I mean, like you said, we're getting ready for winter parades and festivals and shows and Nutcracker and, you know, wow. So yeah, we have a lot of information for our listeners today. So let's let's get started. So last time we talked about your girls because you have, you started off as a dancer and then you are a dance educator and now you're in the mental health therapy field, but you're also a dance mom and you have three little ladies in dance. So talk to me about their ages and just kind of like where they are in their dance journey. I have four little ladies. One is one year old, so she's an aspiring dancer. And then I have a four-year-old who's really just enjoying kind of getting comfortable in her body, working on her agility, working on her coordination, learning to just enjoy the art. I have an eight-year-old who just joined the performance team last year and has graduated with the competitive team this year. And she really likes exploring all the different genres. And then I have an 11-year-old who has been on the competitive team since she was in kindergarten. She's now in sixth grade and she wants to be a dancer when she grows up. That's so awesome. And I just remember your oldest being like so serious. I mean, because I photographed them several years ago, so I don't remember exactly how old she was. I just remember her being like such a a serious, somber, like little dancer lady. (laughs) Yes, she is. So what are you like, what are you thinking about as far as like intensives? Which ones are like, are all of your little ladies? I mean, clearly not your four-year-old, but are, you know, what about your six-year-old? I mean, is that something that you would even entertain for her, like a summer intensive? You know, Whitney, that's so funny because this morning I was talking to my mom and I said, can you believe that this is the year that Quinn went to Joffrey? Um, So. My, my eight-year-old right now would be auditioning for her first summer intensive if she was going to follow the same 
path that her older sister did. And I'm, you know, I'm thinking as I like talk to my kids, because I like each of them to kind of have that sense of ownership in their careers. My, my eight year old really likes to go to like, more of like studio homegrown camps and trainings, and have like that fun summer of you know exploring things that she doesn't get to do during the school year so I don't think she's going to be doing an away intensive this year Mm -hmm. I think she's going to be doing some local intensives which are perfect for her and what her goals are my 11 year old wants to go away again she's gone away for three summers this will be her fourth my four-year-old will definitely do homegrown summer camps So when you're researching summer intensive programs, I mean, because you have, you know, Quinn, who is your oldest, she's very serious about, you know, doing dance as a career. And then you have your four and eight year old who they are really kind of in the more of the beginning phases of, you know, their dance journey. And so, you know, talk to me a little bit about like, how do you find great programs that are going to fit all of their needs? a lot of research. One of the first things that I do is I talk to my my mom friends that have dancers who have paved the way. One of the things that we have in Savannah is we have a lot of dancers that do travel in the summer. So I'll ask different moms and different dancers what their experiences are and what they recommend. That's how we put our first summer intensives on the map. The first year that we did summer intensives, I really wanted my oldest to experience a Balanchine program because I grew up in a Balanchine-oriented school, and I really wanted her to experience that in a summer intensive. So I started to research Balanchine Ballet School's summer intensives that would accept eight-year-olds. And Mm -hmm. I found a couple, and I wanted to stay on the East Coast. So that was my search criteria. Nice. And so like for our dance parents out there that maybe they don't know, like to search Balanchine, you know, like for our for our newer to dance dance parents, like what types of things are you looking for? Like just in general, like what are things that they need to consider when they're researching summer intensive programs? Great question. So first and foremost, it has to be feasible. So you have to find a program where they could either board your student with housing that you would feel comfortable sending your student to live in, or it has to be somewhere where you're willing to travel with your student and stay the duration of the program. And how long are these programs? Like, how long do they last usually? The shortest intensive we've ever done has been three days, and the Mm -hmm. longest intensive that we've done is three weeks. Wow. And I would say for really that eight to 12 year old dancer, which is considered the young dancer, I think a two week intensive is as long as you need to do. So it's kind of almost like summer camp for dancers, like that, that sleep away, like summer camp experience, but with like really intense dance training. Yes. And that's a great point, Whitney, because if you're looking for a boarding option for a dancer under 12, I highly recommend actually looking at camps that specialize in dance and arts, as opposed to maybe one of the more intense training programs, because those camps do give dancers a more well-rounded experience. They're really prepared to have counselors on hand, good student counselor ratios. They have nice dining facilities. They have medical facilities. Those were really good resources for us in the beginning. 
So your local intensives, I know a lot of the studios will do like their own, you know, two week intensive as we get back to school or closer to that back to school time. But what other kinds of local opportunities are there? There are lots of week-long local intensives that are typically open to dancers from all over. And so, like, this year, I know that there was a really great guest faculty week-long intensive at the studio. They had people from all over come and teach. And that's typically, like, a nine-to-four program, which was really fun. And I know a couple of the other studios around the city do the same thing. So we've been able to really capitalize on the investment that the studio owners here in our town are making to bring in big names, reputable teachers, great choreographers. That's so cool. And I actually had a full circle moment. So I do a dance campaign called For the Love of Dance. And what was so funny is that one of my clients that dances south of Atlanta actually attended attended that week that you're talking about at the studio. And it was just so cool to see like dancers from all over the state that I've personally worked with, like come together and dance together and learn together, because that is the spirit of For the Love of Dance. And it's just a really neat thing to see, you know, studios opening up their resources. And like you're saying, you know, letting other dancers come and kind of benefit from from their investment in these out-of-town choreographers. It was just really a cool moment. That's one of the reasons why I feel so strongly about the audition process and going to summer intensives, because it is a way for dancers from all over the country to get together and train in a non-competitive setting. There's always that like an innate element of competition, but it's really more focused on that training and development. And so when my daughter, who went to summer camp for dance for two years in Michigan, went to the summer intensive this year in Atlanta, she saw another dancer from the Michigan dance program and had an instant friend. Oh, and I they can that. follow each other around through the competition season. And even though they're competing against each other, they have this deeper bond from training together and kind of like going through the trenches that is so powerful. I really love the connections that summer programs give our dancers. And I don't want to get too far off the topic here, but really the biggest competition is just yourself, right? Like you're you're competing against who you were yesterday to be a better version of, of yourself today. So I think having people like rooting for you and cheering for your own success, like that's just incredible. What a special thing. It's amazing. And that really brings us back to the point of how do you pick a program? For me, when I do pick a program... I want my dancer to know that they're just going to be a better version of themselves. And I don't, I like to set them up for success when I send audition videos or I bring them to an audition. And so I've picked those programs wisely. I know that they're going to be a good fit. So some things that our dance parents and dance adults can look for are like what style of dance or what genre of dance does the intensive focus on? How long is it? Is that going to suit your dancer's personality and their dance needs? Who 
who are the teachers? What type of housing do they provide? And also like what opportunities are the kids going to have for performances? Absolutely. And if they offer scholarships, there are merit-based and needs-based scholarships at a lot of these summer intensives that are really important for all of our dancers to be able to access them. Yeah. And I've actually seen some of our dance clients get awarded scholarships to these summer intensives at some of the competitions and things that they go to during their regular season. Absolutely. That's actually probably one of our next podcasts on how to pick a competition Pick a competition that has a connection to a summer intensive that you'd be interested in training. Awesome. So, but for today, we're going to stick with dance parents and dance adults helping navigate that audition terrain for their dancers. So let's kind of shift gears and, you know, how, how should a dance adult help their dancer prepare for an audition? So auditions are typically held in three different formats. You can audition in person. You can audition via Zoom, or you can self-tape and submit. And there are benefits to all three of those different avenues. And there's also really some uh, pitfalls to each of them as well. And so it's really important to know your dancer and to have these discussions well before you decide on how you're going to submit your audition. If money and time wasn't um, a barrier, what do you think is like the best way? If there was no obstacles, what's the best way, do you think, to audition? Oh, geez, Whitney, that's so hard. I think it's really dancer specific. For example, I initially thought that self-tape was going to be the best way for my young dancer to audition because we could redo it over and over again oh, man. until it was a good it was a good take. But I really overestimated her endurance and my patience. And so <laughs> I think that, that what could have probably taken maybe two hours for an advanced student, took three weekends for me and my eight-year-old. And I don't think that that was necessarily good for either of us. So I think for a young dancer who's inexperienced with auditions or a dancer who's prone to perfectionism, or I'm sure you've experienced this, Whitney, a dancer who wants to be involved in the process, like checking <laughs> the camera when they take a shot. Yes. <laughs> Yes, you know that dancer. We all know our dancers well. If that's your dancer, I do not recommend self-taping. I would recommend highly to do a buddy system on a Zoom audition, or I would recommend an in-person audition. And what do you mean by like a buddy system? I've, I actually haven't heard that before. So I think a buddy system's great when your dancer has someone who is similarly goal-oriented and similarly situated training wise, if they want to go and audition with you, it's really nice to have a friend kind of diffuse the anxiety to have fun with. Oh, cool. Um, so you mean like, and so, do, like do the audition together? Yes. Yeah. We've done that a couple times. And initially it was a little frightening to be like, well, what if one wins and the audition spot and what if one, if one doesn't? And we've actually never come across that, that issue because they all, email the results later and us parents kind of manage it on our own. So the experience for the dancer has been really positive. They just have fun. They get to 
have their snack, go to the audition, they take the class like it'd be any other class, and then they go home. Yeah, I think that is a really tricky balance in the studio for me when I'm photographing dancers is that they do have the ability to do things over and over and over and over again. And so we want to keep the experience empowering. You want the audition to be empowering. You want it to all be uplifting. And if they are just going to beat themselves up with details you know, and really go overboard with perfectionism, it can get really disempowering. So I love that advice. That really, that's such a, a such a great advice. Yes. Okay. So we can do in-person or Zoom, or we can video and send in. And you kind of touched on this earlier with your, with your story about going through the, the video process. Tell me a little bit about that. <laughs> It was a lot because I had to be so careful to like manage my emotions Mm -hmm. and be able to like help her feel like she could achieve this experience Mm -hmm. and have it be positive. But I was really panicked on the inside. We used a shoe rack as a ballet bar in our living room. I moved all of our furniture out. I bought a tripod and had it overnighted on Amazon and I filmed from my iPhone. Oh, that's so So it was... For me and my own perfectionist tendencies, it was really frustrating because I knew I was sending something out that didn't represent my commitment to my dancer, nor did it represent what my dancer was really able to do. It got the job done. It met all the requirements of the audition video, but it did give me a lot of insight on how I'd like to do it differently in the future. You know, my very favorite thing to tell anybody doing anything is that you don't know what you don't know until you realize you don't know it, if that makes any sense. Like, like, hundred yeah, like action is clarity. Like when you go and do it, no matter what it is, like that's when you're going to figure out like, oh man, maybe there's a learning gap here. No, I love that. And you know, I, I love that you said that like, they're going to just tell you what it is that they're looking for. Like, it's not a mystery, but every program might require something just a little bit different. So you really have to pay attention to what it is that you know, it's not a one shoot fits all programs type of thing. No. And, you know, one of the programs in New York specifically requires you to film yourself skipping across the floor. Oh, my gosh. Um, which is an element that is not present in any other audition video. So if you know you're going to submit to that one program, you have to make sure while you're filming that you get that skipping segment recorded or else if you edit your video together and I'm saying this from personal experience you have a beautiful studio submission and then all of a sudden you have your kid skipping across the kitchen floor in the last part of the video because you forgot to get that film yeah and you know I think too something about filming I I can only imagine that like these programs, I mean, they're really there to educate your dancer. And so it seems to me like they want a realistic representation of like who your dancer is, like, where are they? Yes. And is their program going to be able to take your dancer to the next level? I think we almost have to let go of like my kid's tape has to be absolutely perfect. Yes. I will link my first audition video if you want me to so that you can see what it looked like. And, and disclaimer, it was successful. So I sent that video to the Miami city ballet and we were granted 
a spot, which was unbelievable to me. But I knew that process had taken a toll. It's almost at like, what cost right. do you want to self-tape? And so we switched Zoom. Yeah. So tell me about that experience. Like how was the, how was the Zoom experience different from taping? Like, well, first of all, let me back up. Would you ever tape again or would you always choose maybe one of the other options? So I would tape again now that my dancer is more experienced with auditions, Mm -hmm. is definitely more versed in being able to read the criteria herself and own combinations and take more of an active role in working with the you know videographer on kind of advocating for herself on what she needs and how she wants to present herself as an artist I would let her self-tape now that I can step back you know, but I don't ever self-tape again as a mom you know no. I okay so you would do not want to self-tape you don't want to self-tape you're not opposed to taping but you don't want to be like the videographer <laughs> correct So when you were just talking about the dancer being at a point where they could read their own requirements and and really figure out what it was that the program was looking for, it just brought up the fact that, you know, some of our dance adults, they don't have a dance background. And if the dancer can't help navigate through that rubric, like it might become very frustrating. Even with a dance background, it can become very, very frustrating. So (laughs) very valid. It's valid. You know, what I like about what I like about the Zoom though is that it it really is a little bit more like in the in person as well. Like it's almost like a performance or a competition where it's like you leave it all out there on the mat, you know, you you go out there and you give it your best. And I think that of course sometimes you have off days, but like imperfections and all like that, that is a, such a great representation of who your dancer is in that moment. Yes. So that brings us to, to zoom or not to zoom. And I would say some of the auditions that are zoom are more like they're bigger auditions, like with more ages represented in the room. And so when we did a zoom audition, the first time we ever did it, It was me recording my dancer, logging on, and having them begin their audition. And it started out pretty good, but it progressed very quickly. And my dancer, she's pretty good at memorizing combinations, but I mean, she was eight at the time. And so the combinations got longer and more complicated. And so I started to see her kind of like freeze. And so I jumped onto the bar behind the camera and started doing the combinations in front of her (laughs) and it was actually like a really fun bonding moment because I know my I I know my dancer is a kinesthetic learner so I was like saying the steps rhythmically and doing it with her while she was watching and we were like laughing we were having a good time we were basically taking a dance class together I think that's one of my favorite audition experiences for her. Oh my gosh, that's that's so funny. Yeah, I can't imagine like you're sitting there and you're just trying to record it or whatever. And then you see your dancer panicking and struggling. Like, yeah, not to jump in and kind of coach them along that process, man. That's tough. <laughs> yes. So moral of that story is that if you do decide to do a Zoom audition with really a dancer of any age, 
is to hire their teacher that they're comfortable with to be with them in that room so that they can model good technique, that they can, you know, coach them through like the the experience and really give them support. And then as they get a little older, that's a great way to kind of activate that buddy system, have a friend take the class with them so that they're not yeah. But if they forget the combination, they have someone to look at, they have someone to model. And also, we all know that energy in the room is so important for performance. And so not being the only one in the room, having lots of people's energy that's like supportive and inspired and hardworking is really great. Yeah, that's awesome. We have covered a lot today. Getting ready for summer intensives is no joke. And it's definitely time to get started looking for the programs that you think your dancer will really thrive in. Next week, we're going to talk a little bit more in detail about what to wear during the audition, as well as, you know, audition etiquette and all those fun things. So definitely tune in for part two of this conversation next week. Thank you for tuning in to Dance Through the Lens. We hope you enjoyed this episode and found valuable insights to support your dancer's journey. If you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in the future, please reach out. You can leave us a message at 912-376-9184 or email us at hello at whitneycollinsphotography.com. We'll be back next week with more advice, stories, and inspiration to keep you and your dancer moving forward.